Welcome to the Shiro Shift podcast, sponsored by Cardio Dance Babes. I'm your hostess, Carrie Anderson. Cardio Dance Babes provides fun, flexible workouts for women, and we're committed to providing an environment for women to redefine what fitness looks like for them. We believe that this is done from the inside out, and the best way to do this is through listening to the stories of others, to get inspiration, gain some perspective, and remember that we're not alone. So from our living room to yours, enjoy this collection of stories from other grown-ass women just like you. Hello and welcome and thank you for joining us on the Shiro Shift this Friday afternoon. Uh, If you don't know what the Shiro Shift is, the Shiro Shift is... Uh, an interview series sponsored by Cardio Dance Babes. And Cardio Dance Babes, we're all about shaking that booty and having fun and being silly and having that stress relief and maybe even a little bit of a workout in there somewhere too. Uh, We really use that platform to get to the, the body and the mind part of women. But here at the Shiro Shift, we're really trying to give this a a holistic approach and this is the soul of us this is the soul of women this is the part of cardio dance babes and again cardio dance babes is all about women connecting with women as women and the shiro shift in particular is just so near and dear to my heart and i've missed it and as we come into season two today um I, I'm, I've been looking back and listening, re-listening to some of the other interviews that I've done, and I have missed this so much because I think it's just so important. Here we have a conversation. We just have a conversation with another woman. We get a little bit into her story, and I really believe that that's important because when we listen to the stories of other people, we see ourselves. And we realize that we're not so alone in this world. And I've had tons of women, in fact, Reagan and I were just talking about this. I've had tons of women tell me, but I'm not interesting. I've got nothing to say. And that is just simply not true. Every woman has a story and every story has the potential to help other women. And we never know when we're standing next to some woman in line next to us, we never know the the hurts and the healing and the hope that that particular life has experienced. It's its own story. Every woman is a superwoman and every superwoman has a story. And this is where we get into the nitty gritty of that. And remember that we're all human, that we're all doing the best we can and let me tell you, I've, I'm, I've met a ton of women in my life, a ton of women, and there have not been many women, peers even, maybe some older people in my family, but there have not been many peers that I've met in my life that have been as influential to me as an adult human uh, as the guest that we have on our show today, which is Reagan. Um, she is not only my my business partner, but she's someone I actually come to. And those of you who know me know I, I, I'm not great 
at coming and asking for help from people. But if ever I do, Reagan's the top of the list. She's an actual superhero. She is a mom of four, a wife. She, I, I was thinking back, I think it's been six years. I think it's been six years because Sammy, her youngest is five and I remember her being pregnant with Sammy. So I think it's been about six years that I have been in Reagan's sphere. And I gotta tell you, my life is nothing but better for it. Um, she doesn't even know before we were even friends how much accidental therapy she gave me in her Zumba and CDB classroom um, that just shut down my brain for long enough to remember that I am a, my own person. <laughs> Gave me something to smile about, something, some place to lay my burdens at the door and come in and shake it off for an hour, claim that hour, stake that hour as mine and nobody else's. Somebody who told me I was gorgeous when I didn't feel like it, when I thought it was ridiculous. She's the one, the one who said, you belong on this stage you need to be here. Let's see what we can do to get you here. Um, she's the one who, when I said, hey, uh, Vanessa, Reagan, so I have a crazy idea. And they were like, okay, what is it? And I pitched them cardio dance babes. And immediately they were like, yep, that's the crazy train I wanna be on. And they have trusted me to, um, kind of drive this this beautiful machine in every different direction that we could possibly imagine. And I cannot wait for you to hear her story because she's been through it. She's going through it. She will go through it again. And she was strong then, strong now. She'll be stronger in the future. Um, and I think it's going to empower everybody today, no matter where you are in your journey to hang in to hang in there because there's always going to be another thing to tackle and another thing to battle and when you come into it with the hope and light that reagan comes to it um it changes the game so reagan <laughs> thank you so much for being here with me everybody always loves the intros because it's like awkward i have to accept the compliments the, the intro is like wow that's a really high pedestal there you know i'm, I'm gonna have to like take my time coming on down from that one <laughs> no you know what i think it's really interesting when people actually get to hear somebody sort of articulate to them with what and how they see True. that person when True. we never see ourselves that way, you know, but right. I can't wait for you to tell us the story of Reagan. So where, where are you from originally? You're in Greenville, Simpsonville, South Carolina now, but where did you grow up? So I was born in Chicago and when I was six, we moved to DC and I stayed there till I was 16. So I really claim both of them as hometowns. And they are both the reason why I still consider myself to be a city girl. Um, my mom raised me pretty much solo. Um, she and my dad split up when I was very young in a very Jerry Springer-esque situation. <laughs> and um, 
she actually I give my mom major major she's got some major cojones because she decided that uh, in 1986 the gang situation in Chicago is getting pretty bad and she wanted to raise me closer to family so she moved us um, with a job opportunity to DC but that's also where all my fam my father's family is so she raised me around her ex-husband's family which you know is my family that still takes a lot of guts to do as a single mom in the city with her kid um, so that was great because I mean that's the family that I grew up with that I have all of my memories with my grandmother um, in particular on that side was very instrumental and <laughs> I probably my husband or my family would say I picked up all of the really crazy stuff from her, but I, I loved her dearly and it also made me have to be very independent. Um, I was riding a Metro age like 12, 13, would definitely not let my kid do that now. And most of my friends' parents thought my mom was crazy for it, but it is what we had to do. And when my kids complain about the school bus, I'm like, listen, let me give you my story about walking up the hills both ways, because this is how long it took for me to get to school and to Virginia and all this other blah, blah, blah. So um, it was a very different childhood. It's not what I wanted for my kids growing up, but I think it was a really, really cool childhood and it was very instrumental. Everything that happened then directly played out into what I'm doing in my life today as a result. How so? <laughs> well, I was an only child, so I had to have a very creative imagination and I would get together with the neighborhood kids and I would write plays on the spur of the hat and I would write and direct and star in such plays, including musical theater type stuff, which has played into uh, when I taught dance over at the gym. Um, my mother did keep one thing for herself in the midst of having to raise a daughter and you know be financially self-sufficient for us um she always she actually majored in music and minored in business and because of music and her singing in the chorus every single week i can still sing every single bar and line from handel's messiah i grew up with a very strong classical music background which is makes her you know roll over when i'm twerking or doing whatever but you know <laughs> um music was always part of my life growing up um i also found my first love of hip hop um, WPGC when I was 12 years old. Um, if anybody knows the song shy if I ever fall in love I heard them debut on the radio station that's when they got their break I was listening to them live on my Walkman it was awesome. Um, <laughs> so music and hip hop were always an instrumental part of my childhood and I've had a lot of people ask me did you do a lot of dance well I did some dance for a couple of years I did a big musical theater production of Toyland. Um, so music and theater were just kind of in my blood. And that's also just what I've enjoyed going through um, as an adult. And it's part of the reason why I get so particular about my choreo. Like if it doesn't work right or it doesn't feel right, I'm like, nah, I am a creative artist. It has to be better. I'll work at it till it works. Or why I threw myself so much into teaching dance classes and I wanted it to look a certain way. It was kind of my little inadvertent Broadway out. So. Yeah, I mean, everything that I did as a child definitely ended up playing out in becoming a creative outlet for me as an adult. I never thought I'd actually do this regularly, but here we are. So did you go to college in D.C. or did you even go to college? 
we moved when I was 16, which was the year of the Olympics to Gainesville, Georgia, which is about an hour outside of Atlanta. And I came down with the hugest chip on my shoulder because I didn't want to leave my friends or the city or the boyfriend that I thought I was going to marry because, you know, I'm 16 years old, so I know everything. Um, and that was really where things started to go really crazy. Um, at 15, I was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes. This was back in Virginia. And that was kind of, I don't want to say it was a downfall of my academic career, but I used it as a crutch. Um, I had that happen in DC. We moved down to Georgia. I came down there kicking and screaming with the worst attitude in my life. Like I have not been back to Gainesville since I left. Um, and I really started to, this is kind of where we talk about, I've, I've heard from a lot of ladies that like this age from 17 to 20 to 21, that's a period of time that I've literally blocked out <laughs> for the most part, got into a lot of trouble, did pretty much everything you could possibly imagine, except for drugs, only because I kept seeing all my friends get in trouble for it and I decided it wasn't worth my time. Um, and I did not take care of myself with my diabetes at all. Um, I was in and out of the hospital for DKA like six times in one year. I think I was 17, 18 years old at the time. Can you explain to people what that is a little bit? Oh, DKA. DKA can kill you. Not joking. Um, DKA is when your blood sugar is so high that your body literally starts to poison itself. Um, it's not the same thing as keto diet, but it does produce ketones, which are the destructive ones where it literally starts to eat your muscle and poisons you. Um, typically, if you hear somebody dying from a diabetic coma, that's when they've gone into diabetic ketoacidosis. Um, so yeah, so all of this period of time of me rebelling with teenagerhood and fighting with my mom and saying, okay, that's it. I need to get out of the house, moved out at 18, started working restaurants, started working at Quick Trip, doing whatever, and just really, oh, and I got fibromyalgia during that time too. So I was working at QT and I thought that I had strained my back from lifting. They've got these really big, heavy um, trash bins over on, it was at a truck stop. So I've got really heavy trash bins that would get loaded up tons of gallons of pee it was so disgusting um wow. i do what they got to do on the road but like i never want to there's a reason i don't like drinking out a gatorade bottle so oh my god <laughs> no this is the reality so anyway i thought i had strained my back and i didn't um long story i was basically out of work for more or less a year and I was in so much pain that um i lived with my best friend at the time and she had to help me sometimes undress myself all the way up top because I couldn't because the pain was so intense in my shoulders. Um, I remember being so I was struggling with my diabetes. I've had asthma like all my life. And then I got this new thing and my I had a wonderful, wonderful doctor who thought, well, maybe it's fibromyalgia at a time when that was like not a known thing. It was still kind of questionable. Okay, it's all in your head. And technically speaking, biomedically speaking, it's in your head, but it's because your pain receptors overreact. So it is in your head, but it does actually cause a physical thing. Um, he really helped. He really worked with me to try to get me some help and finally got me to a rheumatologist. Um, and the bottom line of that was during this time, I was on medications to sleep. I was on medications to try to stay awake. And I was on tons of pain medications, which if you've ever had to be on all the prescription stuff, it just makes you sleepy. It doesn't really fix anything. It just makes you tired. 
And so if you're sleeping, technically you're not, you know, feeling the pain. Um, I was more or less sitting on the couch. Um, and then I was reading these books. My mom got me some books on people who had tried to heal their fibromyalgia through alternative therapies. And I remember reading about somebody being a yoga instructor who had fibromyalgia and I'm like, how can they even do that? Yeah, seems counterintuitive. It seemed impossible with the level of pain I was in. It was just the worst thing ever. So, and that will play out later on to Zumba. But um, yeah, I came from this position of like being, what's it? I got it diagnosed, I think 1920. And I was like, all right, now I'm on this cocktail of medications and I'm working and I'm supporting myself, but what am I gonna do when the pain meds don't work? Because I know at some point in time, they're not gonna work anymore. And I really, I really hated that. Um, and I was, you know, I was living the party girl lifestyle there's a reason I know how to dance on the dance floor. We'll just leave it like that. Um, I mean, we just, we had, had a lot of fun, but like went through every single avenue. I don't know if anyone knows Betty Page, but like I cut my hair and dyed my hair black to look like Betty Page at one point in time. I <laughs> did the rockabilly thing, like BR549, I can sing along to that too. Um, there's your little like inside hints to Reagan stuff, but I was <laughs> to this point at the, all wise and all knowing age of 21 when I was already like, I don't want to be part of this scene forever. Like, where do I see my life going? I sure as heck don't want to stay here in Georgia and all this other stuff. And then I met my husband. And where did you meet Jason? Do our listeners really want to know? <laughs> <laughs> well, now I'm dying. Our, our kids don't know this story. So since my daughter's not on mom book, as she calls it, instead of Facebook. So I met my husband at a club and it was a God moment. It's actually become part of our God story. And I will tell you why. I showed up to the club that night. It was one I hadn't really, I'd only been to for a few times. Um, I was actually sort of dating the DJ at the time. Um, and a friend was supposed to meet me there and she didn't. And so I was just out on the floor, dancing around, doing whatever. And I saw this guy um, just kind of nursing his beer back on the corner. And he was hanging out with these guys. They all had on like business shirts rolled up and well, you know, whatever. They're getting off their nine to five. So I started dancing with this other dude and he was a really good dancer, but I thought he was gay um, because he just, he, he came across to me like that with the way that he was dancing with me. It's like, all right, cool. You know, this is fine. Well, it ended up being my, my husband's friend who gave him a hard time later on. He was like, you mm, blocked me. And I'm like, dude, that guy never had a chance. <laughs> like, that's, like that's just not, he's not giving the vibe he wants to get for the chicks. But anyhow, our whole joke about it was that I like crossed the room and he went past me and I grabbed his arm and made him start dancing with me. And that was kind of it. But his version of it, which is really, really cool, is he said literally he saw me across the room and it was like God tapped him on the shoulder and said, oh, by the way, there's your wife. That's the actual sentence phrase. So we made jokes about the whole light and the ah, but legit, this is this is how it happened. Now, no, my kids don't know this story because that's not necessarily how I'm going to advise them to go looking for their true love. But it became part of our God story of a lot of things. Um, I had just gotten out of a long five year on again, off again relationship. 
and had like sworn off guys and sworn off dating. And then all of a sudden I was here and I was like, I need to call this guy back if I, and I have this, this voice in my head tell me a couple weeks later, it's like, if you don't call him back, you're really going to miss out on something. Um, we knew without saying it, we knew we were going to be together pretty quickly. We met in July, right before he turned 25 and we were married six months later. So didn't waste any time. An example of you never, God doesn't wait for you to like go get right with him or get your butt in church or whatever. He will go take you where you are when you're mm -hmm. ready. There's no, there's no perfect people, you know? Right. So that has become a huge instrumental part of our story because that's something I would have never imagined in a million years. And we're going on 20 years now this December. So it's a pretty good run. Yeah, we're doing good. Yeah. So considering the circumstances, I think we're doing pretty good. So now you and Jason go from Georgia to we, was it Louisiana? No, Mississippi. Mississippi. We, yeah. So we moved from we moved around to a few different projects. We moved to Mississippi. That's part of the reason we got married so quickly because his uh, job was ending in Atlanta. If he wanted to stay with the company, we had to move. So we did that. That was a really scary thing or whatever. But the best part about being in Mississippi was that we were on our own. And I highly advise that for anybody getting into any major committed relationship, you need to get away from your family and your friends and just be in a place where it's just the two of you. And you have to duke it out and you have to figure it out and mm -hmm. figure out how to lean on and compliment and work with each other because it will make you or break you. Um, you know, and it's, I think it's a great thing, but we've moved from Jackson, Mississippi to Jacksonville, Florida for six months. That was awesome. It was like the honeymoon we never had because we were just at the beach every single weekend. It was gorgeous. Went down to West Palm Beach for four years. That's where we had our daughter, Anaya. Um, that's also where I went through three hurricanes. So no, thank you. Um, <laughs> moved back up to the DC area for about 18 months. That's where I had Christopher. Um, and then it was finally time for us to kind of like, he was now location independent with his work and his family had all moved from North Carolina down here to Simpsonville. So we came down here too. Um, and interestingly enough, I was not going to have any more kids after my first two kids. Um, but both of my husband's grandparents who he was very, very close to and another uncle all passed away within six months of each other of us moving down here. And I saw what his family had to go through um, as mm. they were processing this loss. They went from like their original nuclear family of five down to two in six months. And I was like, maybe we should have some more kids because I just, I didn't want to see, I, I didn't want it to just be an eye on Christopher later on. And I knew that when stuff happened with my mom, it was just going to be me because I'm an only child. Um, and I was like, you know, even if they're not completely connected, at least they've got somebody else with their DNA in the world. Right. So, so we end up having a couple more kids. And then that kind of brings us around to. But you had some trouble with that too, if I remember. I don't get pregnant easily. Yeah. Like, considering we've been married for almost 20 years. And, and it's risky for a type one. It is risky. I mean, honestly, my best blood sugars have been when I'm pregnant. <laughs> um, but no, I just, I had friends. I went through, I don't. I don't think I could call it infertility because I'm very fortunate. We've had four kids. They've all come out relatively healthy. Um, no complications from diabetes or anything like that. 
Um, but it's not something that happened all the time. My kids are two and three and four years apart. They're 10 years top to bottom. Um, and again, I'm, just, I'm thankful that worked out. I mean, I, as a kid, I thought I wanted six kids in a station wagon, but I think I just wanted a station wagon. <laughs> so we stopped at four. And if we have another one drop in our lap, I'd be totally happy with that. But I'm 41 now. Like, I can't imagine going back to diapers when I've got a kid who's about to be driving herself. Yeah. And you've recently been able to put the youngest in school full time for the first time ever. So yes, yes, this is a season of new beginnings for me because I have all of my kids in school. So I now have six hours a day, five days a week. Technically, all this free time hasn't happened yet. I'm still kind of looking to see where that is, but it's given me some more breathing room and it's a, it's a season of transition because I don't have somebody yanking on my hip asking me for a snack or needing me to wipe their butt or whatever's going on. So I've got that transition going on. Um, I've started to cut back on like all of my other extracurriculars so that I can really focus in on my two passions of cardio dance babes and writing. So that's been another transition. Um, and then for most of y'all who are close to me, but other ones who may not know, I did lose my mother rather suddenly back in March. It was not COVID. It was ended up being a, a brain tumor, um, but it's something we had no clue about. And she was like, fine. And then three weeks later, she was gone. And that has really going through this entire grief journey. It's nothing like having that sort of thing happen to you makes you really reevaluate your priorities and figuring out what you're putting your energy into and honestly what you want your legacy to be because i was raised in a very go 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 environment task oriented i defined everything by what i got done how much i got done what the title was it was all about in some ways like the image and the to-do list and that was where i found my worth and I continued doing that even as mom, even after teaching Zumba and doing all these things. And what was happening is that my family was getting, my classes were getting the best of me and my family was getting what was left over. And mm -hmm. that wasn't very pretty. And I realized that I didn't want my gravestone to say she was the best Zumba instructor ever. I wanted to say loving wife and mother. So I can't keep pushing off my kids to do my to-do list because they keep growing and that to-do list isn't going anywhere, so. Yeah, we only get so much time with them. I was telling somebody the other day, Kenton, who was my youngest, is 10. So that means I have eight years. That's it. With my oldest, I have five years left, yep. not just to teach her how to be an adult, but to teach her how to have a relationship with me past that. Mm-hmm. And it, it blows my mind. It absolutely blows my mind. I mean, when they say, when they say, and I see, I had Holly Pollard popping up on here somewhere. And when I say that the days are long and the years are short. So true. So true. There's not a better description of motherhood that I have found other than cleaning your house with kids is like brushing your teeth while eating Oreos. That's my other favorite one. But 
a thousand percent at, at that i and i you and i've talked about this a lot it's been a struggle for me and i've been able to mentor i don't want to say under you but at least beside you in a lot of ways when it came to having a yes and where it wasn't like i'm either a mom or i'm a woman you've always done a really good job of saying you know what actually i'm both <laughs> and i get to be both and so while you have always been super mom in my eyes i know you don't feel that way but you've always been super mom in my eyes let me tell you if i had four children i might as well have four thousand children that's what it would feel like to me you know i had a foster child for a while so we had three and it was just like i don't have that many arms i just have the two so i am always like so surprised by um how people with more children handle it because i would not do well but you always handle it so beautifully and so gracefully and even so i mean just the way you have always recognized the fact that you were like you know what yes my children get the best of me and i can't give them the best of me if i don't do something for myself you have always set such a beautiful example of that can you tell me how you came to that especially um, when it came to when you started taking zumba classes i think sometimes we all end up we all end up sort of with a job by accident that you know we love we love and then we realize oh my gosh maybe it's getting in the way of something else but how did you come to zumba and what i i like to think is back to yourself in a lot of ways that is very very true Whew. let me backtrack slightly so in high school i was that let's say not daredevil but like a very devil may care person um i experienced a lot of peer pressure i was the person where the more you'd pressure me to do something the further i was going to be like no smack it in your face like i had a lot of i had a lot of friends who were in drug culture who i was i probably got a lot of secondhand smoke but they pushed me for various reasons and all this other stuff. And I'm like, hell no, you're going to be pushing me this hard. Then I definitely don't want to do it because now you're trying to make me do it. Don't tell me what to do. Pretty much. Yeah. I mean, it's a, you're a teenager. You say this to everybody. You it's, a, it's a skill. I told my kids the other day, I'm like, man, I hope you say no to drugs like you say no to me. <laughs> yes, that's accurate. So i never really, really experienced the effects of peer pressure until I went to go work. One of the jobs that I had was working in an office. I did that for four years. I will never work in an office again if it is ever my choice. Um, I watched the movie The Office later and I was like, oh my gosh, this is a real thing. This isn't like even art imitating life. Like this is ridiculous. Um, and in this tiny toxic environment, I legit cried every single morning before I went to the place. I mean, Jason finally had to say, listen, I need to figure you either need to figure out a way to deal with this or get another job. But we were down in Florida and their customer service and every place sucked. And I'm like, it's not going to get better somewhere else or whatever. But anyway, I, it was a very toxic environment, very, very, very negative peer pressure to the point where I acted in a way that was so unlike myself. Mm -hmm. um, I started really miscommunicating, you know, when you have a fight with somebody and you're thinking stuff, but all your words come out completely opposite. Well, that happened all the time to the point of it happening within my marriage. Like I couldn't communicate anymore in my marriage. It was this entire messed up thing. And 
is something that I was responsible for. Like looking back on it now, I'm like, yeah, I should have just cut ties and gone and done something else. But I also felt like God needed me to learn something. He really, really did. He taught me how to stand up to the pressures of other people before becoming a mom. Because hello, when you become a mom, you know that you are judged up one way and down the other. So anyway. I'm, I didn't know that coming into it though. I no. sure had no idea that was what I was walking into. I know it's crazy. And even if that, even if you don't have it overtly or concretely from other people, you know, we get it through mixed media, media messages from hello, Pinterest making, you know, reindeer shaped soaps. And I'm like, hello, I kept the, the kids alive today. You know, yep. it comes everywhere. I think the idea of a toxic version of perfect motherhood is just as dangerous as having an idea of skinny means healthy. I think both oh. of them are just as pervasive and both of them are just as damaging and both of them need to be fixed and it's yeah. absolutely with us. So going into a few years of motherhood like that, I really kind of lost my self-esteem, my self-worth. I actually got a chance to reconnect with my best friend from childhood, like the one who brought me to Christ, the one who knew me inside and out. And she looked at me one time, she was like, Reagan, what happened to you? Because she was always the more meeker one and I would be like having to take up for her or like push her to go do whatever. And now our roles were completely reversed. It was the weirdest thing in the world, but I needed somebody to say that to my face. More time goes on. Um, couldn't really, I never did. I was listening to your, your podcast, Carrie. Yeah. Just because I want to have a bunch of kids and stay home does not mean that motherhood is like my ministry. <laughs> um, I suck as a stay at home mom. I'm totally okay with that now. But it took me a long time of realizing that I didn't, you know, I could love being a mother and not love every single moment of parenthood. Because just like you can love being married and you can love your spouse doesn't mean you got to like every single second of it. Mm. it. Took me a long time to get to that point. So I had Aaron, who is number three. This was after a really bad pregnancy. I mean, it was just a very, very difficult pregnancy. Um, friend of mine from preschool is like, hey, let's go try out the Zumba class. I go to it sometimes and, and do whatever. So it's like three or four months postpartum. She drags me over there. Now, let me tell you, this Zumba instructor also teaches body combat. So that should also let you know what I was walking into um, as a, a Zumba thing. Went there, blood sugar is to the moon, walked out halfway through because I thought I was going to die. And most of my classes have already heard this story, but I tell people this because they do need to hear it. I walked out because I thought I was going to die, but I loved it. So I came back and I set new goals for myself. I wanted to make it all the way through class. Then I wanted to make it all the way through class without dying. And then I wanted to teach. I wanted people to feel the way that I felt coming into class. And through the process of teaching Zumba and going from like being in this back corner, hello kitty, um, being in this back corner to all the way up front, you know, again, using all this music, uh, theater, you know, musical theater background, the performance aspect, hello Shakespeare, I love you, you know, everything, being able to tie all of that into something that would make people feel good and be healthier. That's really what it came down to. I did lose weight with it, but that was not the whole point. Um, the best thing out of it, besides it helping me control my blood sugars, was that it helped me with my fibromyalgia. I don't take any more pain medications. I haven't for, well, really since as long as I've been teaching Zumba, so about 10 years now. 
Um, I might take a Tylenol every now and then, but to go from like prescription medications to not having to do it was a huge thing. And in conjunction with this time that I discovered Zumba, my mother, my mother-in-law was never in good health. Her health has seriously deteriorated. My mother had um, mobility issues that just continued to get worse over the years. Uh, basically, Jason and I, we looked at things from like, we've got a couple of examples of what we don't want our later years to look like. We need to do something about this now. And we both decided we needed to show better examples for our kids, as well as just try to keep ourselves healthy enough for later on. I mean, my, my goal in life is to be able to get down on the floor and play with my grandkids if I should live so long. So that's kind of what my, my message, my body positivity message came into being. And then the other part for it was just the mental health message. Um, my number three child, whom I love so dearly, the one that I got into Zumba for, I would often say as I was leaving the gym that there is not enough Zumba or coffee to handle him because I could teach this class and be like, yes, I'm good. I can handle it. You're throwing peas at the wall, whatever. We're good. We're chill. And from the moment that I picked him up from child watch to get to the car, he would already have me ready to lose it again. So I needed it my mental health too. Well, thank you, Erin. <laughs> and handle myself and keep us alive. <laughs> yeah, uh, I agree. I agree. And I love Aaron, by the way. Aaron's your third. I do. He is so, so funny. But I remember coming into your class and you saying, listen, this is our therapy. Yes. This it is our therapy. And it is so true. And I feel like you've always been really, really outspoken about that when you when you taught at the Y. I mean, just listen, you're here for you. Yeah, it, it is. It's that it's carving up. It's so many things It's carving out that time for yourself. You know, I would tell people who come to classes, sometimes they're there because a doctor told them that they needed to be there. So they're coming in, kicking and screaming. And it's my job to make them like it enough that they don't walk out only 50% successful. Ha ha ha. My people know what I'm talking about that. <laughs> like burpees? No. Yes, you're going to do them. <laughs> um, yeah, if I'm having a stressful day, it comes out of my playlist. It's like, oh, I've had a bad day. Let's do this. Yeah, I do that too. I'm like, oh, today is a rage playlist, okay? Yes, sorry, but, not you know, sorry. It's necessary because I always said, and, and this part's so true, I'm like, okay, I could do drugs and have a major drinking problem to deal with the stress in my life because that is an outlet and escape. But instead, I do dance fitness and I drink Starbucks, although I've just got myself a really new coffee maker. So I have not been to Starbucks since Monday. Booyah. Whoa, that's huge for it you. Is. I'm kind of afraid to put that out into like the interwebs, but it's <laughs> <laughs> you're going to jinx yourself. You can do it. You can do it. I believe in you. Um, I believe in you. So tell me a little bit about you. You touched on it just briefly about writing. And <laughs> <laughs> Tell me about how you got into doing that and what you've done with it alongside your. Okay, so when you look at the things that you're good at in life, 
And sometimes they're not even things that you necessarily want to be good at, but they just happen to be those talents that come back periodically. I'm not even gonna ask what you're looking at right now. <laughs> I'm looking at comments over here. Is we'll that, come back to it. It's Dion's like, yeah, tell me, I wanna know, because I feel like this is one of the things that people don't know about you. So of the, of the crazy things, so um, my dad was a very charismatic person my people skills and my being able to relate to and talk to anybody comes from my dad. The man made a living selling time life books door to door for a period of time. Tell me who can actually do that. So he has that charismatic nature. It came down to me. Aaron has it too. That's why he charms the pants off of everybody, including Carrie. Um, He's like a little Adam. who was my husband. Yeah. He really is. <laughs> I think that's why we butt heads so much though too, because I look at him and if I look at kids' pictures and I can recall different stories, I'm like, oh my gosh, I gave birth to a mini me. No wonder we're at it. So yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, so I've I've done I did some programs through a talent search program with um, Johns Hopkins when I was younger, and I always focused on different things with writing. Um, and I do, I would say I would be like a more reluctant storyteller, but I do love reading stories and connecting with people through their personal narratives and just hearing what's happened in other people's lives, whether it's just what they went through on a daily basis, like what was it like to be in World War II, or what happens when the world falls down around you and how do you handle it? Like one of the books that I'm reading right now on grief is called The Dead Moms Club, and that's exactly what it is. She's like, if you're a member of this club, I'm so sorry. Here, this is how we're going to walk through it together. So um, I've always enjoyed reading and writing and doing a whole bunch of stuff. And then I decided I wanted to do a side hustle. Um, my mother <laughs> my mother was your typical grammar Nazi. Uh, she would correct my speech every single time I spoke and everything that I looked into. So I just kind of got it more of a discerning eye for that growing up. And I'm one of those people who will be like, that comma's in the wrong place, put it where it belongs, or that should be a semicolon, not a colon or whatever. And those things that, you know, they just get at you. So I thought, well, maybe I should just try to do that as a side hustle since I've got a good eye for it. So I um, started taking a proofreading course. And then I had this friend who was doing some writing and I went and took a look at all of her stuff and I was like, oh, this is cool. Hey, let's switch around this comma. But this stuff is really cool and I love reading about all the stuff here and she's like oh would you maybe proofread for me a little bit. And she gave me the most awesome incredible confidence kick in the pants with it, because she convinced me that I could do something that was not. This may sound so cheesy but it's not dependent on my face it's not dependent on my blood sugar or me performing or instructing something that I could do that was almost in a completely different niche to itself. Um, she gave me a lot of encouragement. She even put me in the direction of being able to help co-write a book. Um, that was really, really, really cool. You, you guys, everybody needs a carry in their life. So <laughs> yeah, you like, guys, just in case you didn't catch that, it was me. I'm that person. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but, but teaching, I mean, it's kind of like, Carrie, for me, you were like, you know, people talk about they had that elementary school teacher or that high school teacher where they sucked in all their other subjects, but that one teacher believed in them and said, you can do this. 
and that's been carry for me for Aww. like so many things also because you know i mean she's she's coming from left wing she's my friend but she's not my family like she didn't have to flatter me this way and she doesn't have to wake up next to me every single morning you know she she was an outside person who recognized something in me and found a completely different creative spirit um so yes so the website is in progress but it will be called bruckner proof because you know you don't need to be bulletproof you just need to be bruckner proof i love it Thank you so much for the keto coffees for the idea. <laughs> oh yeah, bulletproof coffee. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and you it it's not just that. You write all of our uh, all of our emails and um some of the blogs and things like that you have done you proof everything that goes out whenever she doesn't proof my stuff cuz there was a big chunk of time after Reagan's mom died that there were errors in everything because i was just like oh well send <laughs> and i apologize for that because i'm a speed writer and so reagan's always been the one to come behind me and be like another set of eyes and my copy my copy suffered <laughs> that's that's okay better done than perfect better done than perfect well i i I'm very excited and it is true. I've, I've used her for not just cardio dance babe stuff, but professional stuff as well. My husband has used her um, to proofread and edit things and it's a skill. It's a it's a skill set that not everybody has. He and I both have written a couple of books. She's done some of the editing for some of that and uh, I <laughs> oh, she says she Dion says she loves reading the emails. I do too. They're so much better when Reagan does them than when I'm like trying to write a novel or something. I'm like, the people don't need to hear that right now. I like your voice. I love how she writes because she writes the way that she's speaking and then she'll say something. She'll be like, la 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 la. And then she'll just hit you underneath with an uppercut. I'm like, oh, that hurt, but I needed to hear that. I really needed that. Yeah, I and I got to just say that here's the thing. I think so many women get to a point in their lives where they're like, well, this is just what I am. I'm a hat. I'm a mom hat or a wife hat or an employee hat or I, when it was me, it was I'm a nurse. I can't not be a nurse. That's who I am. That like, you know, it's in so many hats become our identity so much so that some of the strengths that we always had when we probably took the strength test or whatever in high school before they like, you know, put us in shop or in home ec or in theater or whatever, because I, I, we had to do something like that is kind of like, you know, you tell us what you what you like and we'll we'll put our extracurriculars. We'll put you in what works for you. And I think that we forget we forget because we almost have coped ourselves out of the things that we're really good at because we are dealing with other things and it's not that one thing is more important than the other but i feel like coming into the end of 30 years old 30s going into the 40s and into mid 40s there's this thing that happens and whether you're listening to this and you're a younger woman or you're more mature like Reagan and I are, or even, or even maybe slightly 
more mature than Rick and I are, because we can be pretty immature when we want to be. Um, but I think there's this thing that happens where we sort of remember and reclaim and add it to its to its own, like it, it gets its own hat. You know, have you found the transition of stepping back into owning that that a little challenging considering you still have kids and you're being very careful and cautious not to overcommit so as not to pull from them? It's still a big transition. I really expected the first week that they were all in school that I was just going to, I opened myself up emotionally to like feel all the feels and do everything. And do you know, for those first two days, I wasn't even home. I was out driving around taking care of stuff for them. Because if you were in South Carolina for the first day of school, they had tornado drills and warnings, mm -hmm. and it was this entire just completely mess. Um, but um, I don't know. It's it's weird. I I got to have a conversation with my mom on my 41st birthday, and it was probably one of the last truly coherent conversations before everything went south with her. Um, but it was a beautiful one. I told her that I wasn't going to work at the gym anymore, which was a huge transition of identity shift because I had done it for nine years. Um, I told her I was going to be pursuing my writing business and pursuing cardio dance babes and I still have a restaurant gig that I do, um, but that I was just getting ready to make all of these changes that were going to be happening all of my life. And it was it was great because I expected her to be shocked, but she actually gave me she gave me her blessing which you know you never think you need somebody's blessing but i think we all kind of still always want to have our parents blessing when it comes down to things and she she gave me that approval and affirmation of it's okay to switch into this next phase of your life this is where your direction and where your energy needs to go um i still find myself getting very very quickly overwhelmed um by a lot of stuff happening we still have a lot on our plates and i'm trying to make sure that i don't just cut one thing out of my schedule and then push something else back in. I feel like I'm afraid of a vacuum. I'm afraid of not having a to-do list for that's so long because I don't know who I am without that. Um, I almost don't even know, I don't know how to move or operate with margin in my day. I'm really, I'm one of those people who's really great at like, let me give you this advice, but I cannot apply it back to myself. Um, so yeah, I'm trying to think about like, what do I need to do to serve my kids and serve my family effectively and make it where I don't have to run around like crazy. So I'll let you is there, is there some fear too of in the quiet, then you have to deal with some of the grief stuff as well? Pardon? How long ago, how long ago was your mom? Uh, that was in March. So we're going on six plus months, something like that. Um, you know, I did, I did attend a grief group for a brief period of time and the, I, I honestly didn't commit to going because I would be running around all day. And then all of a sudden I was like, I don't want to sit around a group, a group of people and cry right now. Like, I just, I don't, I think I tried to go into it too soon. I might try it again in six months. Um, I don't think I'm at that point now. I still, Sometimes it's being alone with the grief. A lot of it for me is still just, you know, I'll get a phone call regarding stuff for her or AARP is still sending me stuff in her name 
like these little little triggers, little ambushes will happen. Um, I don't know if you guys have heard the song <laughs> Wrecked by Imagine Dragons. I have a love-hate relationship with that right now. Uh, I can actually listen to it now without crying, but that took a while because it's like these people are trying to kill me, seriously. Um, there's still a lot of emotional triggers, but I also, I think I get afraid of being alone too long with my thoughts in general. Um, I'm a generally very extroverted person. I do need some downtime. I'm a very, very avid reader. I do need enough downtime to recharge from peopling, as my daughter calls it. It's a verb. Um, but if I'm alone with my own thoughts for too long, I do the quintessential tearing myself down. I am my worst critic. All of my my faults become magnified. Why haven't you achieved this yet? Your A1Cs in the tanks. Oh my gosh, you didn't do your push-ups. Whatever it is, um, become much more magnified. So if I keep myself busy, the shoulds. I should have. I should have. The shoulds yeah, are a yeah. load of should. <laughs> they they are and i am just as guilty of that as, as anybody and it's something that i'm trying to reframe my story and also look at it from okay even if i don't feel these things inside for myself what do i want to present to my daughter how do i want to teach her how to take care of herself how to build herself up instead of tearing herself down so there's a lot of that. I'm still figuring it out. I'm still trying to figure out what I want to be when I grow up. You know, I'm 41. It's taking a little while, but you know. That's okay. That's okay. Fine wine, right? With age. So let's start getting a little bit into the three G's. And if you don't know what the three G's are, it's just kind of how we, we start pulling together the time that we've had together. And we, we pull out a few things, um, to be mindful of as we leave our time in, with the Shiro shift. So Reagan, can you tell me what in your story are you most grateful for? I'm actually most grateful for the challenges because, and I think most people agree. Now I'm not going to say it on everything, but the challenges are what make you stronger. You can't you can't be grateful for the sunshine unless you have the rain. I know that sounds so incredibly trite, but seriously, everything that happened with my mother has made me value the time that I have with my kids so much more. And even though I beat myself up for, you know, everything I ever did wrong with my mother daughter relationship, I'm so grateful to her for all the things that she taught me. Um, so those are the things that you know, the challenges, same thing with diabetes. Would I be teaching Zumba and doing all of this crazy stuff if I didn't have it? Maybe, but it's taught me a lot. I mean, there's there's quite a few areas in my teenager, teenage years where I was really on a train wreck um, that might've completely crashed and burned if I did not have the diabetes to keep me in check. Um, we even had a bad car accident that happened during that time. That was not an accident. I fully believe that God allowed that to happen because when that happened, it did change the trajectory of several things that went forward. A wake um, up call. Yeah, it was it was huge. It was it was a very pivotal moment because it was a very it was a defining moment for me. Um, I still get nervous driving on the highway since it happened when I was 17. Um, but it was a, it was a guardrail where I was just completely speeding down the road, not, not literally, 
guys, figuratively, <laughs> the car wreck ended up being a guardrail for my life, whereas before I had no limitations, no boundaries keeping me back. So I think the challenges are there because that's how you grow. Right. So what do you need to give yourself some grace for? <laughs> what don't I need to give myself grace for? <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that the million dollar question? <laughs> I was actually thinking about that. I'm like, they don't have time for this. <laughs> I think I need to, I will say the most active thing I need to give myself grace for is to let, is to actively try to let go of the guilt that I have that sprung up from everything happening around my mom dying. Um, in the end, there isn't anything I could have changed, but anybody who's been in the situation knows that you're always going to have some of those regrets and on paper and in my head, I know those regrets aren't serving me and she would not want me to feel that way, but my heart hasn't reconciled that yet. It's, it's still hard to sleep. Um, people have told me that your loved ones will come to you in your dreams and like reassure you that everything's okay but that hasn't happened yet when i have dreams about my mom they're nightmares and sometimes it gets bad enough where i just don't want to be sleeping anymore because it's just painful so it's something i'm working through um I have posted a lot about it on Facebook, mainly because all of this, this grief process by the head. And I want people to know that they're not alone, that this is, you know, both that this is normal is okay if it's literally coming at you upside the head because I was not prepared for how any of this grief journey would play out. So for all of that, I'm trying to just give myself grace and try to let go of those feelings that are not serving me well. But as you know, you can think one thing and you can know one thing and then your heart tells you something different. So I'll get there. Not there yet. What are your goals going forward? Whew, to get my website up and launched. <laughs> To get my website up and launched for our cardio dance babes, I have had a plan like way, way, way back on the back burner of doing like a hit express program of things that we can do because I like mean music that makes you move. That sounds pretty bad, but um, literally routines that you can do on a quick 30 minute break. Um, I want to get my strength and I want to get my stamina back. I kind of lost that during everything that was happening with my mom. So that's what I'm going to use to do that as well as strength with Vanessa's vicious vixens. And I just, I want to get those parts of my body back because feel good endorphins are real from exercise. And I, I, I need that. I need to feel a little bit more like my old self again. I love it. I love it. Oh, well, I'm going to take a few minutes really quickly and pull out a few things that I feel like really need to, We, I think all of us could really sit and let percolate for a few minutes today before we, we go on about our time. But the first thing I want to really point out is that first of all, um, 
You never know when you're somebody else's hero. You, you might not know that you're setting an example for somebody else. You may not see that someone is looking to you as the example for what happy and healthy and strong looks like. But nine times out of 10, somebody somewhere is watching, whether it's your own kids, whether it's your nieces and nephews, whether it's your friends, whether it's your coworkers, you're an example to somebody somewhere. And when you are somebody's hero, Shiro, if you will, it's an interesting and hard and beautiful thing to see when your heroes have to go through challenges, to see them have to hurt, to see them have to struggle, to see them have to go through shit that's not fair. Um, and also to see how much stronger somebody gets because of it. And Reagan is such a beautiful example of grief and grit and coming out stronger for it. She was stronger. One of the strongest people I always knew before she went through this with her mom. Um, I'm seeing her get stronger all the, all the time, not because of it, but alongside it. Um, I feel personally so, so blessed to be able to get to work with this, this woman. Um, and I have for several years, she's not just my friend, she's my partner. Um, and I, I think I speak for Dion and Vanessa too, when I say that, you know, we are not the same without you and it, we absolutely need everything Reagan to make this thing stand as strong as it does. Um, I would like for everybody today to look around you and realize what woman around you is your hero, because maybe she needs to know that. Maybe some woman in your sphere needs to hear today how much her example means to you. Um, and maybe also that woman needs to hear, needs to hear, um, then it's okay for her, for her to take off her cape sometimes <laughs> and, and just be human like the rest of us. Um, and even so, it doesn't make us any less strong when we take off that cape for just a second. You know, um, Reagan, thank you so much for being here. I, I know that this was a rough one. It was a challenging one. I hope that you got as much out of it as I did. I hope the listeners got as much out of it as I did. Um, yeah, you're, you're uh, a shining beacon to everybody that you meet. We love you so, so, so much. Uh, do you have any final thoughts or words you'd like to say before we wrap up for the day? Well, besides the fact that Carrie's here making me ball, um, oh, sorry. <laughs> Me too. Y'all know how I love to, how I love to cry on camera. It's my favorite. <laughs> um, the, the things I would say, I would love to say besides the fact that I love Carrie and Vanessa and Dion so, so much for doing this and for 
you know, pushing me out of my comfort zone and for, you know, having such a great group of women who will support you and lift you up and also tell you when you're not doing it right, but in the most loving way possible. Like these are the best, these are the best kinds of friends to have. Um, the, the only last thing I want to leave with you guys, and this has always been my message and I realize I don't think I really said it in this podcast so far, but you are worth taking an hour or whatever time you need to for yourself, whether that's, you know, doing yoga or dancing with us or throwing a Jackson Pollock on a huge canvas or whatever you need to do, you are worth taking the time for. I didn't do it for a very long time and had a very bad case of mommy burnout. And I find that that happens if I don't take enough time for myself. I do burn out, but there's the phrase of there's 24 hours in the day, 23 of those other hours can be used for other people, but one of those hours you deserve to have for yourself. You can't pour from an empty cup. I'm living proof of it. I think all of us have experienced that at some points in time. So step into your womanhood, your femininity, do whatever it is that you need to do, figure out what it is that works for you, because that's the only way that we can make any lasting change for ourselves, for our kids, for the next generation, all of it. You are worth it. That's not a Maybelline ad, although they actually did get that one right. Um, you know, to do what you have to do for you. That's how strong you are made. I love it. Beautiful. Could not have said it better myself. Thank you for joining the Shiro Shift Podcast. The Shiro Shift Podcast is sponsored by Cardio Dance Babes. To find out more about Cardio Dance Babes, go to CardioDanceBabes.com or to apply to be a guest on the show, go to CardioDanceBabes.com slash stories.